Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I am your host, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has planted extraordinary and unique gifts inside of you? But things like fear, insecurities, lies, and even past wounds keep us from receiving God's best and releasing those gifts into our world. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics that will help move you confidently in the direction of your God-given dreams. Speaking of dreams, thank you to Jen Rivas 12 for leaving the sweet review about episode 25. She says, I just love all the episodes and number 25 is my favorite right now. It encouraged my husband and I to pray together for clarity in an area we have not thought about in a long time. The vulnerability, peace, and joy that we both heard in Rachel and her husband's words was so sweet to listen. We're so glad it blessed you all, Jen. And if you haven't already, please leave an iTunes review so other listeners can get these episodes delivered to their feed. We take the time to read every single one. Today's guest, Dana Gresh, is an author of countless books, founder of Secret Keeper Girl, and is a freedom fighter who's making an impact that is causing a ripple effect in many households, including my own. Dana holds a special place in my heart because it was through my encounter with her at a women's retreat that God began a healing work in my heart. As I chatted with Dana, I got real about a secret sin in my life that God convicted me of and I confessed to my husband. We also chatted about lies many girls and women believe and the truth that sets them free. Today's episode might be one of the most vulnerable ones I've released, so lean into the hard places and let God speak to you. I promise it will be worth it. Well, hello, Dana. How are you? I am great. How are you, friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited to get you on the show today. My pleasure. I just adore you and I adore, I am like your number one fan on Instagram. I like stalk you. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. I actually feel the same way about you because of all of your fun animals and different things that you have going on on your side of the world. Yeah, I love those animal fur babies. That's one reason why I stalk you because like the last time I saw you, what was that thing you were with? A lemur? What is that? Like furry thing, the black and white thing. It looks like a monkey, but I don't think it is. Yeah, it's a lemur. It's a monkey. A lemur. A lemur. Yeah. It is a monkey. It's a monkey. You had one of those like wrapped around your neck in one of your recent photos. Yeah, I know. Everybody, when they see pictures of him or the kangaroos, they're like, wait, what? You own what? And so, yeah, <laughs> those aren't mine, by the way, if you're listening. My parents have an animal therapy program in Oklahoma. So in <laughs> case you're wondering where the exact animals come from, that is what those are. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So I introduced you a little bit in the beginning, but I thought it might be fun if you share just something fun fact about yourself that the people listening may not already know. Well, a fun fact is animals because I have like an absolute passion to study the strange scientific oddities of animals. So many of them should not even be alive if it were not for God's design, like the giraffe, like if it bends its head over, if it were built like every other animal, its head would explode because of the blood rush from its heart. And yet God created it with all these little like valves in its neck to slow the blood down when it bends its head down. Like, is that amazing? So like, that's my quirky, geeky, secret passion, which I get to live out a little on my farm with, you know, I think we have like 20 something furry critters on our farm, ranging from donkeys to fainting goats. They're my favorite passion right now. The little fainters. Wow. People don't, I, that's not like my public persona. That's like my private persona. So people don't know that about me. And all those animals are just for fun, right? 
Totally for fun. My husband likes to say that I like to pick animals that have no chance of ever making him any money whatsoever. I love that. (laughs) They're just very expensive hobbies. Yeah. Well, if you can't tell just from uh, one thing I love about you is you can literally make anything into a teaching moment, like the giraffe (laughs) thing right here. So that's what, for those of you listening, if you aren't familiar with Dana, that is something that you definitely um, have a gift of doing. So you, your ministry was called Secret Keeper Girl, just recently transitioned to True Girl. Tell us a little bit about that ministry. Well, Secret Keeper Girl started when my daughter Lexi was nine and I was just freaked out about the pressure the world was putting on her to be beautiful, to be sometimes even sexual at a young age. It's like, why does she have to dress like she's 17 when she's seven? And I just had this kind of hunch in my mama's spirit that it wasn't okay. But, you know, quite honestly, a lot of my friends were just going along with the crowd. And um, when I did research, the American Psychological Association said that really when our daughters are exposed to beauty products and branding and all that stuff, before the age of 13, that it puts them on a conveyor belt to body image issues, depression, and maybe even an early sexual debut. And so this mama was like, no, you don't, not on my time. And I just kind of set out to create a little peer group for Lexi, as well as some good study tools. And it turned into this thing that 15 years later, Secret Keeper Girl, we show up, soon to be True Girl, we show up in communities all across the country with our live event. We have resources. We're just trying to bring moms and daughters closer to each other, closer to Christ, while filling them with truth to combat some of the world's lies. I love that. And, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast or have followed me online at all know a big thing of mine is body image stuff because I started back at the age of 15. And in fact, in May, I realized I'm probably going to do a special podcast episode on this. Uh, I realized it'll be 20 years of my quote unquote eating disorder, body dysmorphia anniversary from when that started until, you know, where I am now and the freedom that God has brought to me. So that's one of the reasons why I have devoured so many of your books that you've put out and the, th- mm-hmm. you know, the resources that your ministry does, because I am feel the same way that mama bear rose up in me. I'm like, okay, I want a different trajectory for my, I've got two girls like, nope, this is not, it's not okay. And I know it's definitely not what God planned when he created us. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, that's such a, it, it blew me away when I realized that you'd face that battle because this is how Satan works. You are absolutely gorgeous, Rachel. Like women look at you on Instagram and they're like, if only. And it's always the beautiful women that he lies to and telling them they're ugly. It's always the smart women that he lies to and tells them they're stupid. It's always the women with the most amazing purpose that he tries to derail them and say, what you're doing doesn't matter. I mean, he's, it's like he figures out where God has given us strength and just lies to us against that particular strength. And so you're just, when I, when I read that about you or, or heard that about you, I was like, well, of course, because you're perfectly created. And of course, that's how the enemy would lie to you. Yeah, that's so true that he attacks us in the area of our strengths and our callings. Yeah. And he doesn't play fair. At the end of the day, probably what we're all struggling with is just believing that we're not enough. Mm. And really, at the end of the day, that translates to God is not enough, because there are parts of me that are not enough. 
Mm-hmm. Even the strengths that I have are not enough, but it's just, it's pandemic in our culture and really attacking our girls. You know, we didn't really struggle with some of those things. At least I didn't till I was a teenager. And now girls are struggling when they're five and six and seven and eight. Um, for example, the average age of an eating disorder clinic patient 15, 20 years ago was a 15 year old girl. Now the average age is 10 Yeah. with girls as young as five being seen and the enemy's just kind of taken the line and moved it backwards. So as grandmothers, as mothers, as aunts, as women mentoring little girls, we have to really be able to communicate God's truth to them on big girl topics in a way that doesn't rob them of their innocence. It's a really careful navigation that we have to do led by the Holy spirit has to be led by the Holy spirit. Yeah, that's so powerful. I know for me, you know, one other piece of my story that most people don't know is actually I was pretty overweight until I was 15 years old and I accidentally lost weight because I had an injury. And I remember it was the first time I ever was noticed by boys. I can just, you know, you have those moments in life where you remember walking down the hall of the high school and like, oh, I remember literally thinking this is what it's like to be loved. And so then it got me on this cycle of, oh, I have to hustle to to keep that love, you know, so. Yeah, well, and even that, what you just said is a distortion because it wasn't really love. Mm-hmm. Being noticed for your physical allure isn't really necessarily love. It can be love in the right context. It can be a piece of love, but that's how he lies to us a lot as teenagers. It's where like being noticed, being sexy, being attractive, that equals love or is part of love in a way that kind of, I mean, we all want love. It's okay to want love, but we get it the wrong way. We end up getting it the wrong way as teenage girls so often. And that's when our hearts become so broken. Mm -hmm. It's called conditional love at that point. So basically I will love you if you look this part. And um, so that's why when, you know, I got married to Matt, the Lord knew I needed a man like Matt because he basically was a big part of my healing process on, you know, Mm -hmm. that unconditional love, even when I was a 200 pound pregnant girl, you know, like, like, you're still beautiful. I still love you. And that was shocking to me. I was like, how could you still love me? I don't understand that. But yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, So like the kind of love that is physical and based on visual, the Bible actually has a word for that. It's ahava. And it means to fall in love. And it's based entirely on the physical. It's based entirely on the sexual. It's based on what can I get from this person? And as teen girls, and even as women, we get really confused. And we think that kind of attraction is love. Um, But the Bible says in Song of Solomon, I beg you, do not stir up or awaken a hava until it's time. So it's not that that kind of love doesn't have like a place in your relationship with Matt, but it's not where love starts. It can't be where love starts. But a lot of times as teenagers, we're pretty convinced that's where it starts. Yeah. All right. So I'm having a flashback. Did you teach on this at Pine Cove? Maybe. When you taught on the bride wore white. Is that, is that your first book? Um, and the bride wore white was my first book. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I read about Ahava in get lost though, a girl's guide to finding true love. Okay. And 
um, I might have taught at Pineco when we first met. The first time we met, I might have taught yeah. on this. Well, I just have a memory of writing notes about this, and I'm pretty sure it was when we, I'm going to have to go try to find that journal now because I keep all my journals. So that brings us perfectly into the next thing I was going to talk about is how we met because this is like just flows right into it. And that was when you were speaking at Pine Cove. Do you speak there very often? That's the only time I've ever spoken. And you were the highlight of my time there. I remember meeting you. I was amazing. Yeah. So we have to give some people some backstory because there was a long, I I wish I could remember how many years ago this was now. Has to be at least five years, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, maybe more. Uh, but I just remember it was one of those weekends where I don't remember what they called them, boot camp, mom life boot camp is what it was called. And I saw it online and I did not know anybody else going. I showed it to Matt and I said, I think I'm supposed to go to this. And he's like, okay, yeah, he's Mr. Supportive Husband. And, you know, as long as we can swing it and all the ways. And so I went by myself and I remember I was in a cabin with other girls who went by ourselves and you were speaking and you had said something in your message. You were talking about sin. And I remember this part about the love part too. I just, those two things I remember going together. And then I remember at the end, you said that if basically something to the effect of, if there's something in your heart that you feel like you need to keep hidden or is causing shame, you know, come forward for prayer afterwards. And I don't think I came up right then, but I came and found you at another time because the Lord started Mm -hmm. speaking to me about just immediately highlighted something from my teen years and I had never shared with my husband. It was kind of like one of those shameful moments that I had even stuffed so deep that I had forgotten about it until then, you know, kind of popped up and I'm like, "Oh, oh my goodness, I've I thought we were not going to remember this again and definitely weren't going to tell our husband about it. You know, these were some of the rules that we decided upon. And I talked to you about it and repented. And then I remember after that, you told me, you said, I really think you're supposed to tell your husband. And of course, then I felt nauseous the rest of the weekend. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. she's right. But oh my gosh. (laughs) And so luckily, God knew I was on my own at that retreat, did not have any friends that I knew. And so I did. I spent the rest of the time just... I fasted and, you know, prayed about it and um, I got alone with God. Just it was like another day, I think. And I went home and I told him and it was one of those moments in marriage and in life that was our hardest time of marriage, honestly, because I had betrayed a lot of things with him. You know, he had to forgive a lot in me. But the moment I told him I literally felt shame fall off of me and like my relationship with God, my relationship with Matt, once we did walk through, you know, I'm not going to tell you it just went right back to normal that day or anything, but, you know, it took some weeks and months of, and you know, us working through and some counseling. But that was the pivotal moment for me. Also, not only in my relationship with God and my own identity, but also in one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on this show was that moment is really responsible for all the things that people see me doing online today. Because I have yeah. no doubt in my mind, there's no way God could have or would have released me to go do ministry with women when I am sitting there holding on to something from my past. And that's not because he's being mean or withholding. It's because you just can't minister to people when you don't have that same freedom you know, yeah. for yourself. And so... Um, that was really the starting point too for me realizing how powerful it is 
to bring things into the light and to be real with each other and to be honest and to not downplay any level of sin. Like if there's anything in my life that I feel the need to hide, then I'm like, "Uh oh, that definitely needs to get out, you know, (laughs) because that's a sign. I need to tell somebody about this. James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another, and then you will be healed. And I learned that one on the hot pavement of life because my story was similar to yours. When I was 26, I realized, ah, I'm not okay. Like I'm playing okay. I'm showing up in church like I'm okay. I'm showing up at my job like I'm okay. I'm showing up as a mom and a wife like I'm okay, but I'm not okay. What is it rooted in? And it was really rooted in my shame and having secrets that even my husband didn't know. You know, I think our one of our deepest longings is to be known. And as long as we're building a wall and wearing a mask of perfection, we're not really known. And we're always going to ask the question, but am I really loved? If he knew, would he still love me? And so I had an encounter just like yours where I went home and I confessed to my husband since from my teenage years that I just didn't have the courage to tell him before. I was just too wounded. And it was the same thing. What you're describing, Rachel, it was like a spiritual rebirth in me. Like I was like, wow, this feels so awesome. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is in me. I want to go do things for God. Like I wasn't hiding anymore. I didn't feel like I belonged on the back row at church. I felt like I had value and I could bring something to the body of Christ because he was healing me. And um, I want every woman to know that wholeness like you've known. And it does launch us into purpose. Yeah, it really does. And it it breaks down walls in all your relationships because, you know, up until that time, I always had trouble trusting really even other women. Um, I had trouble trusting my husband. I always thought he was cheating on me or something, which is ridiculous. And anyhow, I had just all these crazy ideas in my head. Yeah. And all of that fell off, too, because I realized, oh, again, when you're hiding something, you assume everybody else is hiding something as well. It's like just this way of thinking and way of life. Yeah. And um, when, when I met you, I don't do this very often, but I learned a really powerful way of praying that helps you identify lies, rip them up, go through a process of just some forgiveness and repentance even, and then listen to God to hear the Holy Spirit speak truth to fill that place where you just ripped up a lie. And I teach it at um, a master class we do through our ministry And usually we'll do it at some of these weekend events, but I very rarely will do it at an event like Pine Cove where I'm just like, these women, it's out of context. They're not, but you walked up to me and God's spirit was like, I remember where we were, Rachel. I remember we were like in this side room, a gymnasium or something like on these little, I think we were on the floor of the steps or something like we didn't even have like a good place to be. I remember that. And the Holy spirit was just like, pray with her. And I just like, okay, I'm walking her through the process. She's either going to think I'm crazy or she's going to hear God's spirit. And he's going to speak such powerful truth in her that she's going to leave here changed, literally changed today. And I never heard from you. I was like, I wonder how that went with that girl at Pine Cove. Like, hope she's okay. Like I prayed for you for a few weeks and I just had no idea. I just knew that the Holy Spirit said, yeah, pray with her like seriously big time, not just, Hey, I'm going to pray for you for two seconds and send you in your way. But we did some deep work that day and, um, to fast forward and to see how fruitful and amazing you are, how you're setting women free. That is just the greatest paycheck of any speaking gig ever. 
Yeah, I remember that. You know, one other lie I had to conquer that day was I honestly wrestled with coming and asking you to pray for me because she's going to think I'm nuts and, you know, I don't want to bother her. She's the speaker, you know, all that whole thing. Like I wrestled through that and um, I just love that the Lord led you to do that. And it also, I remember actually God reminds me of that moment a lot on days I would like to quit doing the things I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. whenever I'm weary and when I'm like, oh, this, yes. nobody's listening. Who cares? It doesn't, I'm not making it a difference. He's like, well, would you do it for the one? Like I sent yes. Danik to come and do it for you. And I'm like, okay, yes, I would. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of times we are doing it for the one. I think some of our most powerful ministry happens one-on-one. Like, I feel like, oh, it's nice that I got to teach those other few hundred women at Pine Cove, but I came there that weekend for you. Like, I know that. And that happens a lot where there might be a thousand women or 8,000 women or 50 women. And I'm always asking, Lord, is there one? Is there one that I'm here for? Because what we do, the depth of our ministry is so much more important than the breadth. Mm. And if you tend to the depth, if you tend to not only taking yourself deeply into God's word. And also, Lord, who's the one? Where do you want me to go deep? He'll take care of the breath. You know, everybody today is obsessed with numbers. They're like, how many books have you sold? How many people, how big are your audiences? How many events have you done? Who really cares? Did one person get changed? Did one person, because that is authentic ministry. Oh, that's so powerful. I wrote it down. The depth of our ministry is so much more than the breadth. And I think that could be applied to life, period, too, because you're right. Everything is so all about numbers to stay so much that it's almost maddening and makes us lose focus. Well, listen to this. This is just coming to me. This has to be the Holy Spirit, because I don't think I've ever talked about this. Jesus wasn't obsessed with numbers, was he? Because mm. he had 12 disciples. And in three years, he invested in 12 people. Now, did he do some other ministry? Yeah. I mean, feeding of the 5,000. I mean, there were some pretty large groups, especially back in the day where they didn't have like, you know, the social media and all that stuff to draw people. The Holy Spirit was drawing them, but only 12. He was like, Father, if you give me 12 to be deep with, we can change the world. And they did. Yeah, I love that. And I love that even when they did do those big crowds, like they didn't even account for the the women and the children were there with them. Can you imagine now we'd all be like, no, make sure you head count everybody before we make a <laughs> proclamation of what how many were there. Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. OK, so I have something to ask you that probably is very spirit led in that people listening today I feel like very strongly, you know, the beginning of this podcast, the intro, I always talk about how we have believed certain lies that keep us from God's best. And, you know, that's really um, believing the lies, but also shame and different things like, you know, we talked about with my story and my encounter with you. So would you feel comfortable to tell the people listening kind of more in detail what you mentioned about what you walked me through in case they're driving along in their car and God brings to their mind of something that they have tucked away, hidden into their past. And they're like, okay, it's brought to light now. What do I do with it? You know, like, what would you say to them? How would they move from here? I don't want to just, I don't want to just stir things up in people and then not give them a solution. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is tell someone, 
I know that that's the last thing you're thinking of doing. It's the last thing you want to do. Maybe you have worked so many years to build up a wall of protection, but everything we read of in scripture is that when we tell someone, when we drag our sin into the light, that's when freedom comes. And Satan is going to make you think that you're going to be rejected. And there might be some hard times. There might be some relational things to work through, but telling someone is the beginning of your freedom. It's not the beginning of your prison. If you're feeling convicted right now and you're like remembering something, a secret nobody else knows about, don't look at that as a prison sentence. Look at that as the key to open the door to get out of prison. Like that is your get out of jail free card. Um, Go to someone, maybe a spouse. If you have a godly spouse, go to a godly woman, a pastor, a pastor's wife, tell them today. Don't wait because you'll chicken out. Mm-hmm. Do it today. Awesome. Thank you for that advice. And I I am a product of that, that I know it's hard. And honestly, I also think that part of the freedom that comes to is I actually believe that God rewards our, our obedience in that area because he knows it's not easy to confess your sin. It's embarrassing. It's, it is literally one of the most humbling things that you will do is to go to, especially the person who it might have affected or whatever. And just admitting that to somebody, it really does take a lot of courage. And so if that is the biggest thing that you do today, courage wise is to confess something that's in your heart that you don't want to continue to be there, then um, that is very, very powerful. And the Lord will bless you for that. That's right. Um, all right. So moving on from that story, I know every so every year you do a lot of traveling and speaking to both girls and women alike. Uh, this is kind of a twofold question, but the first is if you could tell women something that you wish they knew about their worth from what you see and experience out there. I know we could talk about this for the next mm-hmm. five hours, right? But yeah. what's like one big umbrella, something that you wish that more women knew? I think I've spent a lot of time, I don't know, this is the only or most important thing, but telling them that they're God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, you are God's workmanship. And that word was poema, and it meant masterpiece. And like a masterpiece is not a mistake. It's unique. So you're not going to be like everybody else. You're going to be different. Song of Solomon says, and again, my dove, my perfect one is unique. Like, why is it that we are so obsessed with being the same, the same skin, the same eyes, the same hair, the same everything, like even from decade to decade, the same eyebrows. Oh my, <laughs> like Brooke Shields was like the furry eyebrow caterpillar years. We all wanted, we're all like filling our eyebrows in. And then the next thing you know, right now it's really nice to find eyebrows and we're all like penciling them in, making them nice. Be unique, be who you are because you are God's masterpiece. I want every woman of every age to know and really believe that. Not know it in her head, Know it in your heart that you were knit together in your mother's womb with precision. God did not make a mistake when he made you. I love that. How do you get, other than just, you know, telling yourself those things, how do you get women to really receive that truth? Well, honestly, it's through what we were just talking about is confessing where you don't feel like you're a masterpiece, which is really terrifying for women to be like, oh, I hate my teeth, or I don't like my nose, or suddenly it's like, everybody's going to notice that now because I've confessed it. But as long as you're hiding the lie about your weight, or the lie about your skin color, or the lie about whatever, your size, your bra size, 
you are going to fixate on that. And Satan is going to have a heyday because he is really great in the places where we're not in community. But if you can bring that to community this week, if you can say, hey, I'm really struggling. I didn't really realize it, but um, I've never really loved the color of my skin or I'm doing harmful things to maintain a weight that is almost impossible to maintain. That secret is going to be what sets you free to really begin the work of believing that you're a masterpiece. Yeah, I love that because I actually had one of those moments with my husband where I came to him a couple years ago and I was like, all right, I'm starving over here. I can't, you know, I'm like, I'm, you know, fighting to keep this weight off and it, you know, and I was doing it privately from him. I mean, he knew I was like, trying to be healthy and stuff, but he didn't realize how much it was messing with my mind. You know, like that's a whole nother thing. And I just was like, I'm exhausted. And he said a whole bunch of nice things to me. But the one thing that really stood out to me that I have shared with many women and they always resonate with is he told me, stop comparing yourself to other women, including your younger self. She's another woman. Yeah. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. And I was like, that brought me so much freedom. I think it was also the act of just admitting it out loud of like, hey, I'm losing my mind over here, you know? Uh, but but having that safe place where you can just go and say, I still just have to remind myself, I'm amazed how quickly we keep things to ourselves. I just, I'm like, I know better. (laughs) It's uh, the enemy wants to do that because he can mess with us when we're isolated. Mm. You know, he walks about as roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I've seen a lion hunt. I was on an African safari 13 years ago And they don't go after a herd. They go after a lone impala or wildebeest or whatever's alone. That's what they're going to go after. And I think in the spiritual realm, that's what Satan does when we're in those secrets. When you brought that secret into the light, uh, my husband likes to say our secrets make us sick. Mm. Um, Did you feel just Matt knowing and covering you in such beautiful words? Wow. That that in itself was a healing Yeah, it was. And it also gave me accountability because now even to this day, he can notice when I'm off, you know, or if I'm deciding not to have cake or whatever. And he's like, eat the cake, you know, like, you know, (laughs) and I know, you know, I I speak um, delicately to this topic because I know not all women have that same support that that I have. But I do believe we can all find someone, even if it's not our spouse, you know, somebody, a friend or somebody who can be a voice of truth and can also be that accountability who can Mm -hmm. recognize when you're going back down this very um, slippery slope of a road. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Mm, That's so good. Yeah. Um, So along this topic of lies, your most recent book that you wrote is Lies Girls Believe, right? Yeah, for eight to 12 year old girls. And it's really good if their moms help them. Really, research tells us that what we believe by our 13th birthday is generally what we die believing. Mm. So we don't categorically have everything. We don't have, for example, a full out theology on sex and gender when we're 13, But we have the bookshelves built and the books essentially checked out for what we're going to put in those on those bookshelves, if that makes any sense. Like we have some 
formation of what we believe about sex and gender by our 13th birthday and about anything, about what we believe about God, about what we believe about ourselves. And so how crazy is it that most of the conversations that we have about those things, we tend to, as parents, shy away from until kids are 12, 13, or 14 years old. Well, we've missed some really important developmental years. And so I wrote this book to give moms the tools to have those conversations in safe, age-appropriate ways. And I think that's really important. And the book sold out in less than one month. Wow. <laughs> the, first, the first printing sold out in less than one month. So moms have this itch to really come beside their daughters on these topics of gender and beauty and lies about God, lies about friendships. And it's exciting to be able to be a part of giving them those tools. That's so needed. And that hearing that stat wakes me up because my daughter will be 13 this November. Um, and then I've got a 10 year old. And so it's so true though. It's so true. And I'm so glad that you guys are just bringing light into this area. Now, is this your, this is not the first book in the lies um, that women believe series, right? There's like, is this the third one? Yes. Okay. This, this is the fourth actually. Okay. Um, Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, my dear friend wrote lies women believe. And then I wrote with her lies young women believe for teenagers. And then her husband wrote lies men believe. So this is our fourth lies girls believe. Okay. How many books have you written? Oh, maybe, I don't know, somewhere in the 20 ish range, something like that. I've co-written a bunch of books so some of them, it looks like I've written more than I've written on my own. I've been a part of a team for maybe a, do a dozen. Yeah, that's encouraging to me because I'm over here trying to write my first. So I'm like, how do people write multiple you books? You got it. <laughs> and it gets easier. I, and mostly the first one's the hardest one, though. You're yeah. going to do it. You yeah. got it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so uh, actually one more question on the books. Which which one of those has been your favorite book you wrote? Um, that's so hard because this lies girls belief book has been like a seven or eight year process mm. and I have poured a lot of love into it and tried to make it very, I wanted to be able to put it next to an American girl book and be like, absolutely every bit of excellence was poured into this book for Jesus. Mm. And I, I, and I'm pretty proud that I think you can. So I think in terms of how much love and nurture, it might be lies girls belief, but my favorite message is probably the one from Pine Cove. Get Lost, A Girl's Guide to Finding True Love, because it's based on the sentence, um, a girl has to get so lost in God that a guy has to seek him, God, to find her. And we so many times, we just want the guy. We want the guy. We got to have the guy. When really getting the guy before we get everything right in our love relationship with God never really works. Mm. We're just, we're just going to be, instead of God, give me the guy, give me the guy. We're going to be like, God, fix the guy. Because it's really us that's broken if we aren't first plugging into God. So I really love that book, Get Lost. I love that. What age range do you think that book is for? Well, I wrote it for like college age women, but a lot of adult married women, single women in their 60s are writing to me saying, I got set free through that book. Like I figured out how to fix my relationship with my husband because I fixed my relationship with God. When your primary love service source is God, then all the other love sources are bonus. Uh, what a gift to give your husband to take the pressure off to be like, you don't have to be the end all. I have the end all. And so the love that we get to experience to, together can be healthy and whole. Wow. I love that. So do you think that it's too advanced for like my 12 year old though? 
probably advanced for a 12 year old, but a lot of uh, high school girls are able to devour it when they're like 15, 16, but she'll be there in just a blink, Rachel, a blink. That's crazy. (laughs) Okay. So what is next for you after all this? Do you have anything else planned yet that you can share? Um, Well, we're really working on curriculumizing our masterclass. Uh, We do a masterclass in healing, um, sexual theology and healing. And it's mostly sexual healing because so many of us have those issues in our hearts and lives. And when we get set free, we set others free. And I love that course. We offer it every June in State College, Pennsylvania. We work with a very small group of adult leaders. Um, It's by application only. So we make sure that these adult leaders are going to be able to network with each other and resource and encourage each other. But teaching that prayer process that I did with you at Pine Cove, we teach it step by step. We're like, okay, why is it important that we identify the lies and how do we identify a lie? Sometimes a behavior that's still manifesting a habitual sin or an addiction is really rooted in a lie we started to believe when we were three years old or four years old or five years old. How do you identify that? Well, we teach the process of figuring that out. Forgiveness. Why is it so important in our healing and why is it so hard and how do you make it stick? Like we just guide people through that. So we're working on curriculumizing that um, not exactly sure how, you know, it, it feels like a little bit of a God-sized task. I'm sure you've done this where you're like, I know the Lord's calling us to do this. How? Well, we're just going to follow him and we're going to figure that out. So that's our big next task. Yeah. That's the story of my life. Like God <laughs> calling me to something. I'm like, all right, let's, okay. We'll figure this out as we go. All right. So that masterclass you only offer once a year in June right now though, right? Yep. Once a year in June, three days. It's very intense, very fruitful, very effective. Every now and then we do it overseas, but in the United States, just once a year in our hometown. And you get to come to my farm and hang out with my fainting goats That's cool. one night. And yeah. so does that class fill up? Um, it does because we keep it really small. Like okay. we don't really want, we want between 30 and 50 people, but we really don't want more than 50. So usually it fills up. It's not full for this June yet, Okay. Um, but we will stop it if we hit 50. Okay. Well, yeah. So if you're listening and you're interested in that, I will make sure to have that link in the show notes so you can go check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. Um, Anything else you would love to just leave the listeners with or anywhere they can find you online if they want to connect? Ah, well, they can find me at Instagram or Facebook or danagresh.com. And I'm just excited, Rachel, to see the fruit of your ministry. I've got my eye on you and the Lord is just using you for some really big, important things. So thanks for the joy of getting to follow you on Instagram. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Follow your Insta story. Thank you. Yeah, I will post all the ways you can find um, Dana and their ministry and everything in the show notes. So, all right, well, we will chat later. God bless you. Can you see why Dana holds a special place in my heart? If you aren't already following her ministry online, do so immediately. I want to finish today by doing something a little different and pray over you. I feel like someone listening might have related to my story of that hidden shame, and I just want to break that off you in Jesus' name. So Lord, I thank you so much for the listeners today. I thank you that you love us too much to let us stay with sin and shame in our lives. And God, right now, I just speak over 
anyone listening who, as they listened, they might have felt a nudge in their spirit that said, you need to deal with this thing, or you need to talk with somebody, or you need to bring this into the light. I speak courage over them right now to be obedient to that still small voice that's whispering to them to just bring these things into the light. And God, I pray that as they do this, you not only release them, you heal them and you set them on a path that just opens so many doors for them that only you could have opened. We love you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, that's all that we have for today. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. And don't forget to get real and live free.